I'd like to think that he and not just he but the broader players have seen that myself and the club have got a very strong player welfare mindset where they're going to go and how they're travelling outside of football where they're going to go beyond football I think that's really really important and what is a changing landscape and even particularly important with what we've been through so yeah, we've got a really good relationship with Job and you know, who knows what his involvement with the club may, may be into the future anyway. Hello and welcome to a big edition of Bomber Radio. Simon Conway joining you alongside Jack Levitt. That was the voice of the CEO, Xavier Campbell, at the top of the program. We'll catch up with him very shortly. But Jack, it's an exciting time to be an Essendon fan leading into a big final against the Swans. It's a very exciting time, Simo. Thank you for having me, of course, as always. Uh, massive. Haven't played a final since 2014. I was there that night when we uh, went down to the Kangaroos. We haven't won a final since 2004, so... Um, of course, there's all the talk. We finished seventh. We know what uh, happened last season with the Bulldogs. Um, so there's a great atmosphere around the club. That's right. And uh, obviously, Essendon and Sydney have a rich rivalry um, on the final stage, but it's not that final in 1996 that I think about. It's the final in 99 where Mark McCurry dominated for a half and then spent the, the remaining <laughs> two quarters on the bench, but he'd already won the game for the Bombers. So hopefully, uh, there can be a repeat of that on uh, Saturday week when the Bombers fly up there they'll surely take a bit of confidence out of the way they performed against Sydney who were up and about earlier on in the season and obviously Mm. it came down to the wire and the side just fell short but um, they also take you know Essendon's won six of the last eight games so hopefully um, that can translate into another strong showing against the Swans up there next week. Absolutely I was there for that one uh, Simon as well back at the SCG in June Um, no point uh, going back over old ground talking about that game but we did, we did turn up that night and uh, we definitely brought our A game um, without Kale Hooker. Um, if we wind our memory back, That's that right. was when yep. he had the, uh, the finger injury um, fairly late in the week. Uh, but it certainly is exciting. Also, um, six buses already have been filled up of fans that are going to head up and watch the game. Um, so that's, there should be a, a really good showing of red and black up there. Always good support up in Sydney. Uh, now, reflecting quickly on last weekend, a, a yes. win against the Dockers, which uh, secured the Bombers' spot in the finals race. Uh, fantastic to see um, Joe Watson celebrated the way he was. James Kelly as well, tributes to Brent Stanton uh, before the game as well. So it's great to see those guys uh, honoured in uh, the home stretch of their Essendon career. Obviously, we hope that there's a number of games for those guys still to play. Uh, but in terms of the votes, um, a number of uh, exceptional performances and a number of guys unlucky to, to miss out. Dyson Heppel, 30 possessions. David Zaharakis, the freshly re-signed David Zaharakis, was excellent again. Mark Bagley, very good. James Stewart booted four goals. But yeah. as good as those guys were, they didn't get in the top three in the Bomber Radio votes. Tough. Very tough. Number uh, For one vote, Brendan Goddard, 32 possessions. And 15 marks, more than any player on the ground. He was impressive, um, stood up when we needed to. Two votes, Joe Watson, probably his best game of the season. I Um, think it was, yeah. He was excellent in the midfield, 26 possessions, 20 of them contested. He was brilliant. And for three votes, Zach Merritt uh, for his four goals and 31 uh, disposals. That ties away the Bomber Radio MVP leaderboard. So Michael Uh. Hurley... And Zach Merritt are the equal leaders at this stage, and we will keep voting as long as we the Essen and senior side are playing. So couldn't have written it, Simon. Couldn't have written it. It's all set up. <laughs> Everything to play for. The Bomber Radio MVP is on the line over the next month, so I'm sure that will inspire the playing group. Um, but there's also a big game. I'm sure that'll get them up and about next week against the Swans. But firstly, let's get to the chief executive officer of the Essen Football Club, Xavier Campbell. 
the CEO of the Essendon Football Club, Xavier Campbell, joins us on Bomber Radio. Xavier, thanks a lot for your time, mate. Thanks, Jack and Simon. How are you feeling on the eve of uh, a final series? I feel excited. Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, it's, it's gone relatively quickly this year. Um, there's been, you know, some, I guess you break the season into thirds. You know, it was, it was hard to probably get, put a finger on exactly where we sat in that first part or, or how we were going to sit. And, you know, I think we did pretty well um, bringing the group together. And the middle third was probably our most consistent football. And, and, the, and the last third, well, it's in a strange way, it's probably we've lacked a little bit, bit of consistency, but we probably won our most games. So mm-hmm. maybe a bit of a sign of maturity in some respects. So, yeah, I feel really excited. I mean, to be playing finals football, to have, if you said that to us at the start of the year, that's where we're going to get to, we would, be, we would have taken that. You've dealt with a lot of issues in your time as CEO. The issues at the moment are, will Kale Hooker get up? Will Orazio Fantasia play? Michael Hurley? How many buses do we need to transport our fans to Sydney? That must be refreshing that we're talking about football issues. Yeah, it is nice. I was saying that to um, the playing group last week. You know, the relevance is now around football performance, not so much the issues, um, which is refreshing you know I can sort of in my four you know, three and a half years as CEO that's sort of been something that's slowly shifted um, but now you know it's exciting because I guess you look at um, we have the potential to put you know, nearly our best or hopefully our best 22 on the park in two weeks time a week and a half's time so you know hopefully those players will get up and the feedback has been pretty positive but we'll have to just wait and see. What are you uh, thinking of our chances heading into that game obviously it is a Huge game, elimination final. We've got to go back up to Sydney as we did earlier in the year. Um, what's your gut feel? Well, I mean, they're the form side of the comp in many respects, or certainly the most consistent. They were when we played the middle of the year. I think yeah. they'd won their, their previous six or something like that. So, you know, that I guess that in isolation is not so much daunting, but it just shows that you're up against a real benchmark. Mm. Um, if you cast your mind back to when we played them, you know, I, I thought they'd our guys competed really well, probably put themselves into a winning position that couldn't quite close in, in almost extraordinary circumstances toward the end. So, you know, it'd be an interesting question for what Sydney think, playing Essendon and the team that really pushed them last time. But for us, I don't think our guys are, you know, are, are daunted by the, by the challenge. I think they're really, really excited. Nothing to lose. You touched on before about um, the season, how it did unfold and the bringing together of the players, obviously with the returning guys coming back. Were you surprised at all by the impact that they did have? And we've seen Michael Hurley in hopefully all Australian form this year. Yeah, it was always really hard to know because at football at the elite level, it was a margin for error and it's really fine. And you're missing a year of football like that. I know, you know they trained pretty hard, but it still wasn't the absolute elite training or consistency in, in preparation that you normally would have. Um, the impact, what was that going to have? I think each of them found that, you know, different in a different way Hurl's probably started a bit slower but his form beyond round five I mean he wasn't awful by any stretch he was still very very good but the standard he's set now well that's you know the last sort of 12 or 14 weeks has been quite exceptional um Hep has had uh, different games he's probably at points not quite played that level he wanted but he's just got this great ability to grind his way in the games and have a real impact and he's you know there's been three or four games where he just has lifted the team and even on the weekend he had 12 touches in the last quarter and really was inspirational the Hawthorne game round one he was inspirational so I think for each of them it's probably impacted them differently hopefully now with this break comes at a really good time to really sharpen the group up and get them right for the first final against Sydney. Joe Watson's one of those returning players he's on his 
um, farewell to at the at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully, it goes the full four games. But obviously, he announced his retirement recently. How did it, those discussions? Did he approach you? Did how did that sort of unfold? Um, I'd caught up. I'd probably catch up with Joe once a month anyway. We have a coffee and we talk part football, but mostly other stuff really. Um, he came to me, texted me on the Monday, and said, "Oh, you got time this afternoon to catch up." And you know, he he came to me and said he's made the decision. This would be his last last year. And um, we spoke about that. We spoke about the broader, you know, the context behind it and everything else like that. And I support him because I know he's very comfortable with that decision. And I know he's very happy about it. it feels like it's the right decision now and you know you, there's no use trying to either talk him out of it or anything else like that his job's big enough and ugly enough to to be able to manage those sorts of things himself he's, he's an exceptional person so that was probably that was what the Monday and then it was announced the Wednesday morning I think so it happened pretty quickly How has your relationship with him evolved over the last few years was he sort of the person you went to first when all these things were unfolding over the last few years or Yeah I probably you know it was a concerted effort early particularly from me to to really get close to Joe because he was captain. Um, we were facing quite unique challenges. Um, so it was probably more than what a normal CEO I'd imagine would, their relationship with their captain would be. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of see Joe as more of a peer than I do as a subordinate in terms of a, you know, an organisational structure. He's been very helpful for me and I think I've been helpful for him. So, yeah, we've got a really close relationship. I think over the years he's sort of, I'd like to think that he and not just he but the broader players have seen that myself and the club have got a very strong player welfare mindset and that's not just them the footballers them the person and you know where they're going to go and how they're traveling outside of football where they're going to go beyond football I think that's really really important and what is a changing landscape and even particularly important with what we've been through so yeah I've got a really good relationship with Job and you know who knows what his involvement with the club may, may be into the future anyway. Just really nice to see him uh, walk out on the weekend with a smile on his face, which we spoke about after the game. And um, the job that we've come to know over the years is the cheerful character as well. So that's that was brilliant. Um, another reason to smile, David Zaharakis re-signed yesterday for four years, which is awesome. Uh, we add his name to the list of long-term commitments with Hurley, Hooksy, of course, Hep, Zach, Joe. That must be great to now add Zach to that list as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Zach probably started a little slowly, but his last three months has been exceptional. He's a real barometer for our team. Um, he's, you know, he's a self-proclaimed Essendon through and through, and he's you know, supported Essendon his entire life. It's great to be able to, you know, add him now for those four years. Um, he's, you know, someone said to me this morning. I was doing some radio and off off radio. They were asking, was was four years too long? And I sort of said, well, he's pretty damn durable, and he's pretty important to our overall makeup as a as a team. So, you know, he looks after himself incredibly well. Um, he's, you know, his off-season last year was spent hiking through different areas through the US and a lot of it was by himself and you know, he just, he's just all about self-improvement. So yeah, we feel very excited and, and uh, satisfied that, that he's been able to commit for four more years. Shifting focus, Xavier, the AFLW, uh, what do we read into the Commission's decision to delay any announcement on expansion? I think it's a, it, for me it says how important and serious this next phase of growth is going to be for AFLW. Um, I think everyone would, would love the decision yesterday, but it seems quite prudent and appropriate and responsible to go and do that. And obviously challenging the AFL executive to do some more modelling or work around what growth looks like. And, you know, hopefully it, it means more teams and less. Um, I'd love to think that the, the, the 
commission make a decision, not just for 2019, but the years beyond that for the clubs to give them greater certainty about um, entering the AFLW League. And I think that's going to be really important. So I feel really confident in our position. I, you know, I would like to think that we we will get a licence because our, our application and bid is a compelling one. Um, and the whole provisional licence piece, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. It was something that was made 18 months ago post people teams applying. Um, for us, we just weren't in a position to be able to apply the, 18 months ago for obvious reasons from the fallout associated with the CAS decision. So yeah, we've always invested in this space. You know, we've, we've had right back to the Essendon Women's Network 20 years ago. So you know, the role of women in football has always been profound to us. The evolution to get a women's team was always going to be a natural fit for us. So you know, we feel like we've put, through, put together a proposal and bid that is compelling but is genuine and authentic. So we feel really excited about it. Why do you feel our proposal is so compelling? What is it that we've, we've included that you feel? Yeah, well, I think a big part for us is a real focus. There's two, two areas, the heartland, um, so that northwest corridor, um, so strong, so strong alliance with Eastern District Football League, the Riddle Football League, but also in you know a really big growth corridor for this country. Um, so we feel like being able to, I guess, foster talent, build talent, promote talent through there. And obviously, Calder is a big thing. Calder in the under eighteen competition, there is there's not quite a pathway, a full pathway for girls and women's football through that region, um, and there should be because it is such a rich football region. Um, you know, I think girl finishes under 18s with with Calder and then it's Darramount or it's the Western Spurs and that's just not it just feels like there's a real gap there we want to we want to satisfy um, that gap um, the other piece is a really strong connection to an area that's always been important to Western through the Northern Territory and, and some remote Indigenous communities in particular Tiwi Islands and Manangrida and we hope that you know we would like to think a third of our list will probably come from those remote communities giving them the opportunity to fulfil their potential so that's really really exciting we've got a $18 million footy facility expansion that will deliver hopefully the best female facilities in the competition in, in sort of two to three years time so that's why we feel it's compelling. It's, it's really exciting and an opportunity that we want to be able to grasp. On the flip side, what happens if we miss out? How does that does that change anything for us? Well, it doesn't because we, you know, we've already been we've built a girls' academy. We've already heavily invested into the northwest through coaching. You know, it's a big big investment to the coaching piece around girls and women's football to fast track development. So we will continue to invest very heavily in that. You know, there's a the opportunity to for a VFLW um, team, which we're seriously considering, we will likely take up. Um, there's a report this morning in terms of our financial position, a potential $4 million profit. Um, is that accurate? Well, I mean, we've still got two months of our financial year to go, but if you looked at the hard numbers now, we are in a really good position to make a you know, multi-million dollar profit this year. Um, you know, it may be around that, maybe slightly more than that, hopefully. Um, it will depend on a couple of factors going into reporting season uh, toward the end of October. But there's no doubt that we, we really, with such a significant debt at the end of last year, $10.5 million, we really needed to ensure that this year was a significant step forward. We've probably spent a lot of time streamlining aspects of our business, probably reducing our cost base to ensure that we could make you know, a really significant profit this year. Um, we've had tremendous support from our fans, our membership 
has far exceeded expectations. Our match receipts and returns has far ex- exceeded expectations. So they've been two critical factors um, that have played a part, will play a part in us announcing such a significant outcome. So what does that enable you and your executive team, the board, to do in in sort of the, sh- the short term? In the immediate term, it means we, we, we create a much more manageable level of debt, um, which is which is important, and hopefully that debt positions you know somewhere between six or seven million dollars by the end of this year, um, and then hopefully hoping to be able to pay it down in the next eighteen to twenty four months thereafter, which is you know it really would be a fantastic outcome. But there will also be a lot of investment into this proposed expansion too. So we will take on we will take on other debt uh, at a point in time. But for now, it's it was probably getting ourselves back to an even playing field when it came to our financial position, and we'll be able to do that touched on it earlier but record membership this year and attendances uh, right up the top of the table um, across the league what have you made of that that support well I mean nothing would surprise you when you think of the Essendon supporter base they have been the most challenged of any supporter base over the past few years um, they are by far the most loyal and you know, I know I get, I get that I'm biased but you know, I've supported Essendon my entire life I've seen the support that the club has received from its fans throughout that period and that, and that is what underpins the strength of the Essendon Football Club. So to see the numbers this year is just, you know, it's almost breathtaking really when you look at it. I know it sort of you know, it touches an emotional core with, with staff and players when they see those numbers and the, and the bounce back and how significant it's been in a similar way to it, how it did at the start at the you know, start of last year when you thought you know, our world had fallen down, we'd lost players, but we still had such amazing support. And that, I know round two was a great indication of that against Melbourne. That win that we had there was really emotional. And that that broader fan base was just so pivotal that, and they're so pivotal to helping us get to the position we're in now. Questions coming through thick and fast across social media. One uh, very topical item that uh, pops up continually is the division of games between the MCG and Etihad. Currently it's a 7-4 split. What's the position on that at the moment yeah i mean we we run an annual uh member survey um and we get significant sample base i think there's about six or seven thousand members respond to that it's sort of when you look at the the home match the home ground support it's really quite evenly uh, they're both evenly supported the mcg and etihad right. i feel like we probably need to get to a point where we we, we, we seriously consider an additional game at the mcg um, but again, there is still a lot of discussions happening with the AFL. The lands changing landscape at Etihad Stadium with the AFL now, with the early buyout of the stadium, um, the potential for significant government funding to improve that outcome and improve that experience should be taken into consideration seriously um, moving forward as well. But it does feel like skewing that that's uh, more toward the MCG with an additional game. It does feel probably like the right right way to go. Another equally as popular question off social media using the hashtag Bomber Radio, Pops Kelly, are we going to keep him? Will he be coaching here at Essendon next year? Well, it's probably not a decision for me. That's obviously a football department decision and Woosher and and Rob Kerr as head of football. Probably a bit of work to do between now and the end of the season around what the structure is that the guys want to take into the 2018 season, Uh, the football coaching structure, development structure. Um, But I know... You know, listening to the, the other players, and I think Andy McGrath spoken about it. There was another player the other day that spoke about the impact that James Kelly's had on their development and their learning. Their football, developing their football IQ has been profound. So, yeah, you know, I think he'd be a serious candidate. Been a great, great asset for our football club over the last 24 months. 
Julian uh, from Boston has actually written in. Thanks for your support of the program, Julian from afar. He wants to know about how the club's positioned in terms of free agency. Yeah, it's funny, as a Julian, that I've been contacted from Boston and he wants some footballs for his uh, local oh, right. AFL team over there. Which Boston we, we, Demons. There Boston Demons, Boston that's Demons, right. Yeah. We, we, we did shoot some footballs over to him. Um, so, so call that to, to Julian. Um, I mean, we are... I feel like for the first time in a while, we certainly, and Adrian Dodoro and Rob Kerr should be commended for their management of our TPP. I feel like we've got the flexibility coming into this off-season to be really active. Um, what it looks like, you know, we have to wait and see. Clearly, you know, we've been linked to a number of players, and it's not appropriate for me to talk to specific players, but you know, we want to keep improving our list. We need to find to keep finding that extra 10 to 20% improvement in the off-season across our list, our performance outcomes, our coaching, our broader club, so we continue this trajectory that we're on. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. We often have coaches on this program just just finally, and we, we ask them about you know who from the playing group they see as potential coaches one day. In your position as a CEO, is there a player that sticks out as you see as a potential business leader, a football leader, um, in terms of a in an administrative sense down the track? Yeah, oh, there's probably two that spring to mind. David Myers, and, you know, really impressive. He's got a broad, quite a strong commercial acumen from everything I see. And Job's probably the other one that's you know very similar. Um, David's studying commerce. Job's probably more into the property at this point, but just you know a good thinker. Both are really good thinkers um, and are really really impressive above and beyond just their impact on the football piece. They've you know certainly had an involvement in the broader club piece as well. Well, there'll be central figures uh, on the field next weekend when the Bombers take on the Swans. Saviour, really appreciate your time, mate. Congratulations on all the the success the clubs had thus far this season and we're really looking forward to a, a big month of football well thanks for the work that you Simon and, and, and you Jack have done in bringing this uh, Bomber Radio program I know the fans enjoy it and it's a, an important platform for us to communicate with them so thank you very much good on you mate thanks Bomber fans join us every week on the footy panel myself Julian DeSoup and Scott Lucas Scotty what can the fans look out for. Each week we'll review the weekend's game, we'll look forward to the upcoming game and we'll have a very special guest each week. Yeah, normally one of Scotty's former teammates as well so Bomber fans tune in every week for the footy panel. Big thank you to Xavier Campbell for joining us on Bomber Radio. Interesting to get his thoughts on a number of topics there, including AFLW. We obviously hope that the Essendon bid is one of the successful ones uh, when the AFL announced that um, next month. Jack, you've spent a fair bit of time uh, working on this bid and and some time in the Northern Territory. What's the the feeling like up on the ground in the NT and, and what's the level of talent like up there? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to get up there three times in the last 10 months now. Um, including just a couple of weeks ago, we popped up for the uh, Mount Franklin Cup, which was the the schoolgirl carnival at uh, TIO Stadium in Darwin there. Um, There is some incredible talent. I've been out to Tiwi Islands as well. Um, I've been over to Manangrida. They're our our two uh, catchment zones um, that are aligned with uh, the Bombers. There is red and black everywhere up there. Um, Everyone's got an Essendon hat, a Guernsey even the occasional scarf, believe it or not, yeah. um, flags hanging from verandas, um, flags in car windows, the whole whole lot. But yeah, there's some um, there's some really incredible talent. Foot speed, yep. It they're quick. Yeah, their skills are just raw, but but pure. 
and, and you can tell they watch their favourite players on the telly and that's where <laughs> they learn most of their tricks. Um, and at the risk of putting out a little bit too much excitement, there is a, there is a Rioli, um, a female Rioli who I, I got a good look at and have and captured some great highlights from. Um, so that's exciting too. That would be very exciting to see. Um, Xavier's talking potentially about a third of the, the list being made up. Yeah, that'd um, be incredible. Players from the top end, that would be fantastic. Uh, now, a number of other things on the agenda at the moment, um, Jack, including a VFL final this weekend on Sunday at, at Port Melbourne, uh, North Port Oval, 2.40, the first bounce, uh, live coverage on Channel 7 if you can't get along to the game, but with no senior game, uh, do your best to get along. The Bombers taking on Footscray, who they just edged past a couple of weeks ago. It yeah. certainly promises to be uh, an enthralling encounter. The Essendon and VFL sides had some... Um, tremendous success in finals campaigns in recent seasons and they'll be hoping to uh, emulate those performances again this weekend. Nick O'Brien leading the charge as the captain. He's in excellent form, had a brilliant year. number of VFL-listed players, four VFL-listed players are heading along to a state uh, combine, so there's plenty of talent there to get along and, and also a number of AFL-listed um, players, both young and old, who will be looking to stake a claim for a call-up for that Swans game and also just to progress the VFL side. It'll be great to see them have some some success on the uh, on the final stage. Uh, now, also in terms of the match against Sydney, there's plenty of um, ticketing information all on the Essendon website, so make sure you stay across that. Jack, you mentioned the buses; uh, we're at half a dozen at the moment. Yeah. If you're interested in that, check out the Essendon website and uh, and get on board. A great way to is Sheeds driving one of them, or did I, I saw something on Twitter. Yep. Sheeds was in, in the doorway of the bus doing I something? I believe the application for a bus licence has been submitted with Vic Roads and it will come down to whether Sheeds can master um, weaving between some cones uh, <laughs> with his uh, 80-seater. But um, So that is to play out, but I'm sure the, um, the fans that do choose to travel to Sydney by bus will get uh, the full experience um, with Kay Sheedy in attendance. So check out all that, all the ticketing information, bus information, open training sessions, uh, two, including one this Friday. Check that out on the Essendon website. But it's exciting, Jack. We'll, next week we'll be very special guest on uh, on yeah. next week next week's um, show. The coach of the Essendon Football Club, John Warsfold. Be great to sit down with him and pick his brain ahead of uh, his biggest game as as Essendon coach. Well, we know Wilshire, um he's been through finals before as a player and a coach, um, and and achieved the highest. Uh, achievement you can get in the game so it will be good to sit down and, and just hear um, what he's thinking and how he's feeling in the lead up um, only days out from from a huge elimination final. That's right that's all coming up on Bomber Radio but in the meantime make sure you support the VFL side this weekend and we will be back next week with more from the Essendon Football Club. Mm-hmm.